welcome to our Victory Outreach Chino podcast. We pray you are blessed, encouraged, and challenged with this message. Um, I'm so excited to be able to share with our church here tonight. I count it a privilege, um, this opportunity that I have to be able to speak um, and kind of teach tonight as well. Um, if you didn't know, all of the curriculum that we've been uh, deriving for these, these weeks here in this month are from the, the book that my father wrote, Descendants. And if you haven't read the book yet, I want to encourage you, get the book and read it. I read the book myself, and I thought it was amazing. I'm not just saying that because he's my dad. I Just believe me. <laughs> there's so much good stuff. Like, there's, there, there's such a wealth of wisdom in the book that we can draw from that I believe as a believer, no matter where you're at in your walk, there's good things, I, I believe, for leadership as well as even someone that's new to Christ as well. So I think there's things for, for every type of person in the book that you would be able to draw from and, and really get stuff out of. Um, so if you could just stand with me here qu real quick this evening. Um, I just want to read this verse that kind of um, uh, is a theme almost for the message. It's what we face in our daily lives as a Christian. And maybe we could look at it together. If you could turn your Bible with me to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. And right there in Ephesians, the Bible says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So let's all bow our heads and close our eyes. God, we come before you this evening. We pray that you would have your way during this teaching, Father. We pray, God, that we would continue to learn, Father, and be the all that we can be for your honor and your glory, God. We believe that you're here tonight, that your presence is here in this room, Father, and Holy Spirit, that you're going to bring understanding as we Study your word, Father, and study the things that we have before us here tonight, God. We thank you, God. We love you. We give you all of the honor, praise, and glory. In the name of Jesus, we say amen. You guys can be seated this evening. And this is continuing what we were talking about last week, um, identity, the theme of identity, which is such, I think, such a deep theme and topic in general this is part two of what we started last week, and I believe that it's important for all of us to discover who we are, especially for us as Christians that we discover who we are in Christ, who we were meant to be. The Bible says that we were called, even before we were formed in our mother's womb, that we were called, that God knew us by name, and he had a specific purpose and calling for our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but that tells me that there must be some value on my life if God cared enough to know me before I was even in my mother's womb, to know me and to plan everything that I would do, everything that I would say, everything that I would experience before I even walked this earth. Man, if that doesn't tell you that God cares about who you are in Christ, who you are in Him, then I don't know what else will because I believe that, that it's so important that we get to know who we are in him. If we don't know who we are, just like this verse that we just read, then the enemy is going to be able to, to deceive, to distract us, to divert us from the purpose that God has for our lives. And I believe even as a Christian that you may find yourself facing an identity crisis at times. 
where at once you had your footing in the faith, but then maybe at a certain point in time that you began to feel as if you didn't really know who you were anymore, or maybe you began to question if God was real or, or if the things that you believe that he called you to do were even true. But I want to present some things here tonight that are going to help us to stay grounded in the truth that the word of God presents and even things that we can draw from the descendants book that are going to help us in our walk to know who we are in God. Something we must understand once we start to discover who we are in general is that there is an enemy that is very real that wants to discourage us from becoming all that we were meant to be in the Lord. I, I believe that in order to experience the complete benefits of being a new creation, that first we must realize, and, and if you, I, I believe you guys all have this in your notes, I would underline that word realize, and then accept, there's another word right there, our new identity. And it's one thing to realize it, and it's another thing to accept it. Because you can't accept something that you've never realized or recognized in the first place. If you don't know what the Bible says about you, then there's no way that you'll be able to accept what it says about you. And even when you have heard what the Bible says, at the same time, there's an accepting that needs to take place inside of you. There's, there's a certain acceptance that you have to have about what the Word of God says. And if you don't accept it, even though you may know it, even though it may be head knowledge, things that you may know, unless you accept it, there's no way that you're going to be able to walk in it. And, and walking it is not here in the notes, but I would add that in as just a, a third step that we must realize that we must accept what God says about us, and then we must walk in it. And it is the enemy's plan to cut off descendants from their spiritual inheritance. How many know that we're descendants here in this place? And the enemy doesn't want us to receive all of the benefits that come from our spiritual inheritance in the Lord. And I believe that each of these following hindrances that we're going to be going through right now work hand in hand to divert believers from realizing and accepting their position in Christ. And I think that was something Pastor Phil was even talking about this last week. Our position in him. The Bible says that we are new creations in Christ. That the old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And even if you don't feel nothing at times, I want to let you know it's not about feeling. Because the Bible also says that we walk by faith and not by sight. So even when I don't feel like I'm that much new, I got to recognize and I got to realize that I'm new because the Bible tells me that I'm new in Christ. So it's not about what you feel. We got to get into the word of God. See, even the psalmist David said this, I've hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. And that's intentional. It's important that we hide the word of God within us, that it's deeply implemented and imparted within us, that it takes deep root within our hearts so that when times of testing come our way, when trials and tribulation come our way, that we'll be able to withstand our ground, that our house would be built on a firm foundation that is in Christ Jesus himself, that we wouldn't be built on sand so that when the waves and the storms and the winds come our way, that we won't be blown away. See, these are some of the hindrances that we experience to realizing and accepting who we are in Christ. Number one, and this is here on your notes, comparison. And I believe comparison is an easy trap for all of us to fall into, especially in the times that we're living in today. Just like uh, uh, my mother and my father were saying right now, we're seeing hopelessness and, and loneliness and suicide on the rise, depression on the rise like never before in our nation. 
And I think, you know, obviously we have things nowadays like social media and we have different means of us accessing information, even seeing things that are taking place all over the world. But at the same time, I believe that sometimes the access to all this information that we got at our fingertips, it could be a positive thing for sure, but, but at the same time, I believe that it's also a negative thing too. It can become negative within our lives. See, I remember, uh, you know, my experience as a kid, there would be certain times um, where my parents would buy me something, whether it was Christmas or it was my birthday or whatever, right? We would have video games that we would play. There was different things that, that we would receive, different toys and whatever it might have been, right? And I remember that I would be satisfied for a little bit, right? I would be content for a little bit, even though I wouldn't show my gratefulness all the time. <laughs> but I would be content for a little bit with the things that I received. But once I saw that someone at school had something better than the thing that I had received... All of a sudden, there was this thing that rose up within me that said, you know what, no, I'm not satisfied with what I have anymore. I want what they have. Man, I want that game that they have. Man, I don't have that game. I don't have that toy. And I think sometimes in our walk with Christ or just even as people in general, I don't think it's something that just happens when we're little, but I think it's something that follows us as we grow up in age as well, that, that we continuously compare ourselves with one another. And you may be content with what you have for a little bit, but once you see someone else that has something better, all of a sudden... Covetousness begins to rise up within you, right? A desire for things that, that maybe you were not even ever meant to have. And I think social media and, and things like that that we have in this generation have such a huge part to play in that because we'll see the best foot forward that people put out on social media. I was talking to someone here at the church the other day. And we're talking about, you know, how people make recaps of certain months, right? They'll put together um, different reels and things. And usually in those reels, you see all of the good. You see all of the fun that people have. You see all of the good times. You see all of the parties, right? You see all of the fellowships. You see all of the times where you're out eating, laughing, joking, smiling. But the things that people don't put in those reels many of the time are the times where you're depressed, right? The times when you're in your room and you're crying by yourself or you feel brokenhearted, right? Many times people don't include the part where you're so tired at work that you want to just fall asleep. <laughs> people don't include those parts, right? They just put the best foot forward. They show you what they want to show you, right? But I believe that plays such a big part in the comparison that sometimes we, we, you know, we compare ourselves to other people based on the things that we see on things like social media and, and the many things, the many means that we have today. And, and something that could be a benefit also at the same time could also become something that, 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 that brings a curse in a sense or, or that brings consequences because of, of, of just the time that we're living in. Here, here's a quote from the book Descendants right here. It says, Theodore Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy, but I believe it's also a tool of confusion. Studies show that a simple notification from social media platform releases a small amount of dopamine, just enough to leave us wanting more. Dopamine is a chemical that is produced by the brain that makes us feel rewarded. 
The same pleasure that you receive from taking a bite of your favorite food is the same satisfaction a thumbs up on Facebook gives you. What has this done to us as humans? It has led many to search for approval to the extent of becoming someone we may not particularly be just to please everyone. Is that not true of our generation? Right? Is that not true of the day that we're living in? Where we post things and if we don't get as many likes maybe as we thought we were going to get, it makes us a little bit sad. Right? I don't know if anybody's ever been there before. Right? Or, or you see that, that someone else is getting more likes than you. Or, or they repost other people's things or, or they put uh, appreciation posts up about other people. Birthday appreciation posts about other people. That, but when it comes to you, crickets, right? You don't see nothing. But if we're not careful, unhealthy comparison can lead to jealousy, covetousness, even gossip, backbiting, division, anger, depression, shame, etc. All of the above. Comparison can be the root of many different things that, that could get us to feel even depressed at times. But we've laid out what, what, what the consequences might be for comparison, but how do we combat comparison? How do I, as a Christian, combat comparison? Well, I believe that the answer is simple, and we find it in the Word of God. Paul says that we must be content, right? Contentment. We must be content with what we have and who God has called us to be. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 says this, Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry. Both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things. Someone say, I can do all things. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. See, in the Apostle Paul, he, he went through it all. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten at times. He was stoned. But he learned the secret to the blessed life, right? It was being content in what he had in Christ and who he was in Christ. See, that word even content that he uses in itself comes from a word that means to be sufficient for oneself. Independent of the circumstances that take place around you. The book of Isaiah, chapter 26, verse 3, even says this, that you will keep, and this is talking about God, him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's not about us just being sufficient in and of ourselves, but it's us finding our sufficiency in the one who created us. It's us keeping our minds focused on the author and finisher of our faith. See, instead of looking at everybody around you, Instead of looking at things on social media, getting caught up on the things that we see day in and day out, we got to be focused on the one who made us in the first place that knows what we're called to do, that knows what he created us to do in the first place, that called us by name. See, see, many times we get too focused on the things that we can see with our natural eyes, that we get distracted from focusing on the things that God has shown us in his word. The things that sometimes we can only see in the spirit. Just like that verse that we opened up with, there's a spiritual warfare that's going on constantly, daily. Things that we don't see in heavenly realms are taking place. And one of the main battlefields 
for spiritual warfare takes place in the mind. It takes place in the mind. And it's our choice to either believe the things that we might think at times or even things that the enemy might plant in our heads as lies or, or, or doubts. Or we could choose to believe what the word of God has spoken. What God has spoken through his word. Right, just like Psalm 1 says, it says, Blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. He shall not, he, he, he shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water, that he shall prosper in a season, that his leaves shall not wither, right? That he shall bear fruit. This is the type of things that happen to the person that doesn't allow their mind to get focused on the things that take place around them, but their mind is focused on Jesus. And they stay focused on Jesus alone. There even came a time where even King David let comparison get to him. You could read more if you want to see what I'm talking about in Psalm 73. But even David struggled with comparison. He found, but, but at the same time he found consolation in the presence of God. There's a verse in that psalm that says that, that he, he was discouraged. That he was discontented because of the things that he seen that the, God, the ungodly were, were able to receive. He saw that the ungodly were blessed. He even said in that psalm that the ungodly had whatever they desired. And it got him to have the wrong perspective for a little bit. But then he ended up saying in the end that then I entered into the house of God... Then I entered into the tabernacle of God. Then I entered into the presence of God. Then I understood what their end was. See, for a, a certain amount of time, he, he was confused. He didn't know, or he did know, but maybe he just got distracted by the things that he was seeing with his natural eye. But ultimately, when he got into the presence of God, when he began to fix his focus back on Christ, he was able to, to recognize the consolation that's in God, right? The peace that's in him. That when we keep our minds stayed upon him, that we'll be kept in perfect peace. So we don't have to worry about what other people have. That we don't have to compare ourselves to anybody else, but that we know that everything that we have is just a blessing from God as it is. When we learn to be, how, when we learn to be content with the things that God has already given us, with the people that he's placed around us, we'll find ourselves more joyful than if we were even to have the things that we've been desiring all this time anyway. I want to move on to the next part that we have. Secondly, one of the hindrance, hindrances that we face in our identity in Christ is also confusion. I don't know if anybody's ever been in a situation where you're confused before. I remember even seeing a video in school as my mom was talking about the things that are happening today. Something came to mind. I remember watching this video in science class. I don't know why we were watching it. But it was basically about that topic that she mentioned, options. And if anybody has a, a lot of options, it's our generation today. It, we, have, we have so many. We have more options than we ever had today in this time that we're living in. I mean, even... Fast food in itself, right? Sometimes I can't even decide what I want to eat for lunch. It's a struggle. <laughs> but, but it was crazy because in that video I remember watching and one of the things that the person in the video was saying was, was that people are actually, they did a study and they found that people are actually more unsatisfied when they have more options 
than when they have fewer. Isn't that crazy, right? You would think that if we had more options that we would even be more excited, right? More happy, more joyful. But the reality is that when we have more options that we actually get more sad and, and you know, we, we, we get more torn because we don't know what to choose. We're torn in our decision. We're, we're, we're like how even the Bible can say sometimes, right, that we're double-minded. We're divided in heart. And, and, and the same thing can happen to us today as we have so many options as Christians in this day and age. So many things to choose from. So many people to choose from to listen to on YouTube. So many options of different churches to go to. Different things to be a part of. Different things to be involved in. Sometimes even just in the world, the things that we have options in within the world and the daily lives that we live. We can find ourselves being more depressed because of the, the, the multitude of options that we have. Rather than being satisfied in, in what we have in general. And this is one of the ways I believe that the enemy incites confusion and instills confusion in us. See, some of the definitions of confusion is a lack of understanding or even uncertainty. The state of being bewildered or unclear in one's mind about something. It's having a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge. You may have a partial understanding, but still there's, there's, there's a lot that, that, that is not making sense. The ends are not meeting. The book of John chapter 8 verse 44 says this. It says he, and this is talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. And this is the way that the enemy works to instill doubt and confusion in the believer. He does it through lies. Right? And the Bible says that he's the father of lies. God, I want to let you know right now that God is not the author of confusion in any way. That ultimately Satan is the author of confusion. He is the father of lies in himself. And any confusion that you might be experiencing here today is not because it's a... It's, it's, uh, uh, developed by God in any way, but it's because it, it's been something that the enemy has stirred up. See, this is another quote from the book Descendants. The enemy has an evil, diabolical strategy for children to bring confusion and doubt in who God has created them to be and who God himself is. If the devil can't kill you, he will divert you. He will try his best to destroy any faith you have. His plan is to kill, to steal, and to destroy he will use even our life situations to deposit seeds of doubt and fear into our lives. Even the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 says this. No wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Sometimes Satan doesn't look as we think he looks. Right? He doesn't look like how sometimes we see him look in the movies. But, but many times he comes to us as an angel of light and deception where something good is actually not from God, but, but it's from Satan himself. Many times we get deceived in that way where, where something good, seemingly good, I should say, comes our direction, comes our way, and we may even mistake it as being something from God if we're not in tune with the Spirit, but it comes our way and we think, man, this is a good thing. I must go this direction or I should 
just go this direction because it's something good. When God never intended you for, to go in that direction even in the first place. See, but the question is how do we combat confusion? How do we combat this, this confusion that we face in our Christian walk? Well, the answer is clarity. The truth of God brings clarity and has the ability to liberate us from the bondage of confusion. The book of John chapter 8 verse 32 says this, and you shall know the truth and it's the truth that shall make you free. And even if you break down that word truth, it's an intimate knowledge of that truth. It's even coming to know the truth through personal experience. And we effectively wage spiritual warfare and eliminate confusion when we bring our thoughts into alignment with the word of God. I love this passage right here. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 says this, for we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Really pay attention to that verse 5, right? It says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That means when, when certain thoughts or, or seeds of doubt get planted in your mind and, and these things come from the father of lies himself, the enemy, when these certain things try to take root in your mind, it's important that you are able to recognize it and then take those thoughts and bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We got to be able to discern when something is a lie and when something is not. We got to be able to discern the lies from the truth because many times because of our lack of knowledge, right, because we don't know the truth, the enemy will, will plant seeds of lies within our minds and we allow them to take root and we see the, the consequences come from it in, in our, our daily actions and habits that we even develop because we don't know the truth of God. And we're not able to bring those thoughts into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To bring it in alignment with what the word of God says. The third thing that we face is complexes. And I'm sure many of you have heard of things like an inferiority complex or even a superiority complex. Some of you may have those complexes here in this place. I know I've had certain complexes within my own life. But it's negative life experiences that can cause us to formulate internal complexes and insecurities that shape our behavior. The way even that we think people perceive us and the things that they say influence the way that we see ourselves. They stick with us. Even things that we heard when we were a child, they stick with us throughout our entire lives. Things that people may have said of you or experiences that you had, even as far back, I believe, as elementary school. I think things that even happened in school that long ago for me have affected me till this day. And there may be some things that you even experienced in your childhood or just in your life in general that have caused certain complexes to be developed within you. And complexes can come in the form of insecurities. It comes in the form of feelings of inadequacy, inferiority. And even sometimes seemingly insignificant complexes can become mountains in our lives that keep us from reaching our full potential. Things that we may kind of sweep under the rug 
or, or keep to ourselves or not think much of, those very things can become the very mountains or hurdles within our lives that keep us from reaching our full potential in Christ. And, and sometimes we can even discount those things as being, well, that's just the way that I am. Or that's just the type of upbringing that I have. And because this happened to me, this is just the way that I'm going to be. And it's those very complexes that we've developed over time that sometimes could keep us back from the very thing that God has called us to do. The book of Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 says this, Fearing people is a dangerous trap. But trusting the Lord means safety. Even in another version it says that the fear of man is a snare. And I want to let you know here tonight that when we care too much about what people think of us, when we let our experiences and the things that we may have faced up until this point in time affect us in a negative way, we begin to experience what this proverb talks about. The, the, the fearing people is a dangerous trap. It's like a snare, right, that we set ourselves up for failure, that we set ourselves up for not being able to see success within our lives because of the fear of people that we sometimes hold on to. And sometimes even the experiences and the things that happen as an effect of those experiences in our life, because we hold on to those things, sometimes we, we recognize that we, are, we, we find ourselves in a trap, we find ourselves unable to get out of the imprisonment that, that we, sometimes we've locked ourselves up into in the first place. But how do we combat these complexes? Well, the answer, and I don't know if you guys have noticed, but every answer, pretty much every topic in this whole curriculum has started with a C, right? So we can remember it easier. <laughs> but how do we combat these complexes? We must be confident in who we are in Christ. Not just in ourselves. It's easy. Well, okay, maybe it's not easy, right? But we can be confident in ourselves, but that's not what it's about. It's being confident in who you are in him. Even how, how the Bible says in Joshua 1, 9, where the Lord had to encourage Joshua. He said, be strong and courageous for I'm with you wherever you go. Where he was getting ready to step in to the promised land. Where he was getting ready to step in and fill shoes of his, his former leader, the, the, the leader of the children of Israel, Moses. He found himself in a time where maybe a lot of insecurities could have overtaken him. But the Lord made sure to ensure him that he's with him. Be strong and courageous. Don't worry because I'm going to be with you wherever you go. And some people might say, I'm too young. Like, like uh, you know, we even read about Jeremiah, right? But Paul told Timothy, let no one despise you for your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and purity. Some of you might say here tonight, I can't really even speak that well. I don't know how I'm supposed to preach the gospel. But God told Moses that he'd put words in his mouth. Some people might think, well, I'm not that smart. I'm not smart enough to do the things that I feel God's called me to do. Many even of the apostles were considered uneducated and untrained men in their day. Imagine that. that the people that Jesus entrusted to build and lead the church when the church was first started that day were considered uneducated and untrained men. That's what the Bible says. Yet God used them. Some of you might even say, I've made too many mistakes. Well, Peter denied Jesus three times. And on the day of Pentecost, he preached to 3,000 they were saved. 
So that gives you and me hope that even if we make mistakes, that God still can use our lives. There may even be some people here in this place, there's some that say maybe I'm too young. Some might even say I'm too old. Well, Moses was 80 years old when God used him to deliver Israel. I don't know how many people there is in this room that are over 80 years old, but if Moses was 80 years old when God used him, then I don't think age can disqualify us from God being able to use our lives. See, it doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. Age is just but a number when it comes to the things of God. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. God can use you whatever age you are if you just submit your life to him. And I want to let you know, the Bible tells us that we are loved. And there's reference scriptures for each one of these so that we can memorize them and, and, and think about them and meditate on them. See, the Bible says that we have authority in Christ. That we are even considered royalty in him. That we are called, and the list goes on and on. That we are the head and not the tail. That we are above and not beneath. That there's nothing that could separate us from the love of God. That in him, that, that, that if we love God and are called according to his purpose, the Bible says that he works all things together for our good. See, it's important that we recognize that in Christ we have a new name and new identity. In a moment we're going to have discussion in our tables, but this is the last thing I want to mention. That Jacob, who was a third generation, right, it's kind of a coincidence, right, that we have the third generation here in this room tonight. He was a third generation descendant of Abraham, yet he struggled with God to discover his identity. And you could even read more about that in the book Descendants as well. Our pastor talks about that. But Jacob's name originally meant supplanter or deceiver. But God gave him the name Israel after he wrestled with him, which means prince with God. So he took him from being Someone that was considered all of his life as being a deceiver, as being a supplanter, someone that couldn't be trusted, to someone that was called a prince with God. He gave him a new identity. He gave him a new name. And after that experience that Jacob had with God, where he struggled with God for this new identity, the Bible tells us that he literally never walked the same again after that encounter that he had with God. Literally his hip socket came out of joint. He couldn't walk the same, even if he wanted to walk the same after that encounter. He never walked the same. God gave him a new identity, a, a new name in him. And that's the same thing that God wants to do with us. And I believe that he's already done with many of us here in this room. That he's given us a new name in him and a new identity. I want to encourage you here tonight, we're going to have a table talk, but we're going to discuss, we're going to be honest here tonight, what does the enemy use to keep you from realizing and accepting your identity in Christ? There's some questions that we're going to talk about, and then the second question you could also talk about as well is has comparison, confusion, or any of the things that we talked about, in, even internal complexes ever held you back in your walk with the Lord? And we could talk about that for a little bit. So I'm going to ask that even some of the music team could come up right now as we talk. But I want to encourage you here tonight to be honest with your table. And let's talk about some of these things. Because what happens is when we begin to be honest and, and expose some of these things that the enemy has used to keep us bound within our lives, we'll recognize that many people go through the same things as well. There's probably people on your table that have experienced many of the things that you felt you were alone in. 
And we're going to expose the enemy here tonight. And I believe that many of the things that we face or that we're facing here tonight, whether it be comparison, where we get, you know, down at times because of the comparisons that we make with other people or even the complexes that we face or the confusion that the enemy tries to stir up within our lives, that there's freedom in Christ that we can experience. So I'm going to encourage you right now with your table to discuss these questions with your table and see what the people around you think. And we're going to pray after here tonight. Thank you for joining our podcast. We pray these messages build, encourage, and strengthen you in your faith. If you would like to partner with us, the Mother Church is a great place to sow a seed. So head on over to our website at viochino.org and click the giving link located at the top of the page. Also, we would love to hear from you. So leave us a praise report, prayer request, or if you've given your life to the Lord, let us know by filling out the salvation card. We would love to connect with you and help you get started on your journey of serving God here at Victory Outreach Chino.